Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Good Sunday evening, everyone, and welcome into another installment of the Rocky Top Rewind. I am Brent Hubbs. Eric Kane not with us tonight, but we've got uh, a fun show lined up for you here on the Rocky Top Rewind as Tennessee advances to 7-0 on the season. The Volunteers, 65-24 winners over UT Martin. They move up in the coaches' poll. They're now number three nationally in both the Associated Press and the USA Today coaches' poll. Plenty of great things going on for Tennessee at this point in time in the volunteer football program as they turn their sights back to SEC play, getting ready to take on the Kentucky Wildcats. That is a 7 p.m. start Saturday night on ESPN. we got a fun show lined up for you tonight. Former Vol running back Aaron Hayden, who knows a good bit about this Tennessee offense, and, and Josh Heupel is going to join us to talk about um, – I will tell a couple of old stories about his day, and we'll talk a little bit about the growth of this offense and the evolution of offense in college football and why this is working so well at Tennessee. Then at the uh, bottom of the hour, we're going to talk to Eastern Kentucky head coach Walt Wells, who is a Tennessee guy, um, who is um, also was on the Kentucky staff. He knows Mark Stoops really well. We'll talk a little bit about what Mark Stoops has done at Kentucky and a little preview of the Wildcats. And then Austin Price will join me at the end of the show. We'll talk a little recruitment and um, see where the balls are with that, what this weekend may look like in recruiting. Tennessee picking up a commitment on Friday night from class of 2024. Uh, defensive back Caleb Beasley as he committed after his high school game. We'll talk about that. We'll give you an update on where things stand with a guy like uh, Davin Hobbs and uh, lots of other things going on in recruiting. So that's coming up at the end. As always, we want to take your questions and your comments. So jump on into the comment box and offer them up tonight about this Tennessee football team, who, again, um, I thought was extremely impressive. Uh, I'll give them a ton of credit. I didn't know. I knew they would beat UT Martin. That was never a doubt in my mind. Uh, even if Tennessee was really sloppy and flat, I, I, I didn't think there was any doubt Tennessee would not win the game. Uh, but just really impressed with the maturity of this football team on Saturday and, and how they showed themselves um, and, and how quick of a start they got off to. Three, got a quick three and out um, from Martin and then quickly turned that into points. And um, just an impressive day. You see the stats there. Hendon Hooker, um, 18 of 24, 276, three touchdowns. I thought Joe Milton was interesting. Joe was – I thought Joe played well. Um, Stats-wise, 4-7, 135 for a touchdown. I thought he was late with the ball at times in the second half. I think that was a byproduct of just working with some guys. He probably hadn't worked with a whole lot when you talk about that offensive line and some of those receivers. But when he went in the ballgame in the second quarter, that offense didn't miss a whole lot. He threw two, a couple of really big strikes. Uh, the one to uh, Walker Merrill was a really good ball. And, and obviously, Hendon Hooker continues to play well and then what what we're seeing right now out of Jalen Hyatt is, is is just bananas um I, I've never seen anything nobody's ever seen anything like this in, in terms of what he's done he has eight receptions this season of 40 yards or more um really can't 
I don't know how to describe what he's doing right now. He's on, on to shatter every Tennessee record uh, as a receiver. Uh, I've talked about this before. I mean, just one of the great stories uh, in college football uh, and certainly one of the best stories on this Tennessee football team. Uh, you know, in the day and age of the transfer portal, you just wondered what was going through his mind at the end of last year. And um, I've told this story before, but I, I can't, I can't under, oversell it, to be honest with you. Um, he walked through that complex every day. His head was down. He had his earbuds in. He had a hood on his head. He just didn't look like he was very happy um, and, and not very happy to be uh, at Tennessee. And um, instead of packing his bags, instead of pouting and leaving, um, he dedicated himself to himself and to football. And that's something he was not doing to his own admission. And now you see what he's doing and, and his continued dedication. I mentioned this in um, the 10 things review piece I wrote today. It, it's not just his production, it's his engagement. Um, if you watched him on the sideline, he was talking to those young receivers, trying to help them out as much as he could, uh, coaching them up. You go back to the end of the Alabama game after the Brew McCoy catch, he was, he was immediately signaling timeout because he knew exactly the situation in football. Um, he's completely dialed in. How many times do we see a guy – you know, doesn't know what the down is or how much time is left. He was completely dialed in, and even though the ball didn't go to him on either one of those plays, just an amazing transformation in terms of where he's at right now. And um, what he has done is just is just crazy numbers. And teams are having a really hard time defending him. And we're going to talk to Aaron Hayden about that. How do you how do you defend this Tennessee offense, and um, why is it so hard to defend right now? And, and not just the personnel, but things that they're doing schematically. So. We'll talk to him coming up as well. And certainly take your questions. Kentucky, of course, was off this weekend. Will Levis should be a um, healthier than he was the last time we saw him. And Kentucky's most impressive performance uh, was the last time we saw the Wildcats play, and that was against uh, Mississippi State in a home win. But Kentucky's not played a quarterback like Hendon Hooker. They've not played an offense that pushes it down the field. If you watched any of Mississippi State last night, they did not um, – they did not attack Alabama the same way Tennessee did. They didn't go over the top very much at all. Uh, they, they really just the underneath the West Coast offense, things like that. So Kentucky's not you, – you look at their wins. Florida, they, they don't have the ability to really throw it over anybody's head. You, you look at what um, Mississippi State does. They don't really challenge you vertically like that. So this will be new for the Kentucky secondary. It, it hasn't been – you know, it hasn't been like that at, at all. So um, – it's um it's fun and, and and Tennessee fans should enjoy every minute of what is going on right now. The Tennessee defense, uh, the rushing defense continues to be good. It's better seemingly every week. Last three opponents, I think they've held to a total of about 81 yards rushing that they're giving up right now. Uh, this will be a different challenge when you look at where uh, the Kentucky run game is, most physical run game that Tennessee's probably seen in terms of the backs. Um, so Kentucky's going to want to slow this thing down, right? They're going to want to do what they did a year ago. Uh, that they, they want to take the take the air out of the ball if you can try to keep Tennessee on the sideline uh, if they can do that they won time of possession last year but they fell behind so fast because Tennessee blitzed them right out of the gate can Tennessee get off the field better this year defensively Tennessee got wore out in that game a year ago um, late obviously they blitzed and made enough plays to win it and hold on for the win um, in a day where it looked like they were in complete control of that football game but they were kind of hanging on at the end because that defense was pretty gassed. Um, Tennessee's playing 12 guys on the defensive front. I don't think they're getting nearly as gassed. When you look at their snap numbers, it's not nearly as much as it was a year ago. So um, much better for Tennessee defensively that way. And um, 
you know, we'll see what, what it looks like and what happens. Um, it's all in front of Tennessee right now. I know everybody wants to know and talk about playoff um, numbers and where you're at and your position there. Everything that Tennessee wants is in front of them. Uh, the question is, can they continue to roll the way they've been rolling offensively? And can they get some guys healthy? Um, the, the most significant injury to come out of yesterday was Taven Jackson. Um, that's a left shoulder collarbone area ish injury. We'll see what the final result of that is. Uh, otherwise, Tennessee looks like they got through the game healthy. Um, Brandon Turnage, I think, is going to be okay um, this week and should probably be ready to go. I know a lot of you have asked about Jalen McCullough. Um, that'll be that will be up to the legal system. That that's not a Tennessee thing. That's going to be up to whatever the legal system uh, does there. Uh, then you look at Cedric Tillman. Is he going to play? I think he'll probably give it a go, try to give it a go. I don't know that he's going to be 100%. We'll see um, how much he can plant, push off. I know this extra week off was good for him in terms of he practiced a lot, but no need to push him in the UT Martin game. I think you'll see him dress. I don't think he'll play the high volume of snaps, so you're going to continue to see a lot of Ramel Keaton uh, without a doubt when, when you, you talk about where this offense is going in this game. And Keaton has been a real shot in the arm to Tennessee. I don't think anybody, even Tennessee staff, I don't think expected – Ramel Keaton to perform and, and to be a, as productive as he's been since Cedric Tillman has been out. I think Kamal Haddon's going to be ready to go. I don't know about Christian Charles. I think that remains up in the air. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens there. Will we see more of William Wright, um, who played in the secondary and had an interception? Tennessee's obviously trying to help, uh, you know, and find as much as they can find with corners right now. Uh, and that's something that's going to be an issue moving forward. Tennessee's got to continue to get corners um, and, and continue to get some guys healthy there. Michael, they're real happy with his staff, but not thrilled with the development in the secondary. Um, you know, I, I, was, I was expecting more out of D. Williams. D. Williams doesn't look very comfortable playing cornerback right now. I, I thought that was a guy, some of the buzz that was about him out there in the preseason. A lot of people thought he was going to be a ma major contributor. So when they got him on the field and got him healthy, I thought that would give them a shot in the arm. Uh, that's not the case. They clearly feel more comfortable with William Wright right now than than D. Williams. Uh, and that secondary, they're missing some tackles. I, I think that's got to be a, a concern a little bit uh, for sure. Tennessee's got to tackle better. Getting Kamal Haddon back will help. I, I don't. I think the biggest thing they've got right now is I don't know that they have, other than Haddon, I don't know how many true corners that they have on this roster. And I think that's something they have to address in recruiting and they have to address in, in the transfer portal. We know coming in Jordan Matthews is going to be um, a, a true corner who I think can make an early contribution uh, to this team. But, but they've got to have some continued help at that cornerback position. Uh, for sure. Um, that, that's the biggest thing. I think Slaughter's done some decent things at safety. Has it been bad? They played Wesley Walker back there a good bit as well. Um, so we'll see. Um, uh, you know, in, in terms of boosted uh, 931, your question, uh, trying Holiday and Callaway at corner. I don't, I don't think that's a Jimmy Callaway um, is a guy who's got a lot of talent, but I don't think his football focus is where it needs to be. I don't think it has been since he's been here. That's why you've never seen him really move up the depth chart at the receiver spot. Uh, he's not getting on the field. I don't even think he's playing special team stuff right now. Holiday's a straight line speed guy, so I don't know that backpedaling and flipping his hips are in his, are, are in his um, toolbox, if you will. I, I don't think that that is a natural position for him at all in, in terms of being a corner. So, I don't think there's any help there uh, to, to be a corner. 
you know, could somebody move over to play safety? I don't, I don't see that at this point. I think you're going to roll with what you have. Uh, we'll see where they are with Wesley Walker at the safety spot. If McCullough's not back, um, Slaughter's obviously done some good things. I think both those guys have stepped in pretty nicely for Jalen McCullough the last couple of weeks. Uh, corners, you kind of are where you are, and you kind of are who you are at this point in time, uh, and, and we'll see what they can address moving forward. But for the rest of this season, I think it's kind of what you are, which means Tim Banks' defense has to be aggressive up front. They've got to get to people. They've got to get to the quarterback. Um, they've got to create a lot of havoc up front with, with some of the things they do with their pass rush. Martin did a really good job of getting the ball out of their hands quickly yesterday and, and kind of not getting hit around. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens to that. Um, but I think you are who you are at cornerback. Um, Mr. T wants to know after what Alabama did to, to the Mississippi state offense is us dropping 52 on them, even more impressive. Look, I don't think it. I don't think you have to worry about what anybody else does. When you put 52 points on the board against the Nick Saban defense, and clearly they were lost and didn't know what, didn't know really what to do or how to cover. Um, I, I think that speaks for itself. Mississippi State plays a total different style of offense. Uh, I got a kick. Mike, you know, Mike Leach said on his press conference, "Yeah, I saw some things out of Tennessee that we've run before," and you know, he said that you know their quarterback runs it better than Josh Heupel did. I don't see any of Tennessee's offense in Mississippi State's offense. Maybe a wide receiver screen um, or maybe a slant every now and then, but they don't do what Tennessee does. That Those are two totally different offenses. Um, they want to play this controlled passing game, and I don't know what Mike Leach was doing last night. You, you should kick that field goal in the first drive to try to get ahead and get the lead there, and you certainly don't go for it when you're backed up into your – um, own territory the way that he did. He didn't help his football team out at all. I thought there was a little bit of a panic early in that game from him. Um, but I, I think what Tennessee did to Alabama is impressive in its own right. I don't think you have to stack it up against against anybody else for, for how they played and what they did against um, the Alabama defense. You haven't seen anybody do that to Nick Saban um, other than Joe Burrow and, and LSU. And, and they did that where he didn't have an answer to what they were doing. Alabama did not have an answer, obviously, to Jalen Hyatt and what Tennessee was doing uh, offensively. Tennessee really kind of only stopped themselves in, in that game most of the time. Uh, Herb, what you got there? Honestly, never know how the committee will vote, but side-by-side -side resume, I don't see how the playoff committee doesn't have us number one when the polls come out. Do you? I'll be honest with you, Herb. Tennessee's not been in a place where I've done a whole lot of research about all the committee and what they're thinking and what they're doing there. I think Tennessee's resume in terms of the schools that they played, the teams that they played, they were ranked at the time. The win over LSU is going to look better and better as, as LSU continues to play. Um, Pittsburgh's not been as impressive as people thought, but that LSU win, that Alabama win, um, you know, is obviously going to speak for itself, and that should weigh in pretty heavily with this committee, I think, when you look at it. Ben wants to know, is Jalen Hyatt playing himself into a draft pick? Not only is he playing himself into a draft pick, he's playing himself into a high draft pick. And um, that's something that I think is pretty obvious with the way that he's playing right now. Remember this about the NFL draft. The NFL's changed. Um, it, it's not just about – I mean, it's about pass rushers on defense. Offensively, it's about a quarterback, it's about left tackles, and it's about playmakers in space. And, and the running backs just don't give – just don't have the value that they once had um, in terms of their draft stock. That's why you don't see a ton of running backs go that high in the draft. Look at the runner receivers a year ago in the NFL draft. Uh, and you look at what J what Jalen Hyatt's done right there. You got 40 receptions for 769 yards. He's averaging almost 20 yards a catch. 
is going to break the school record for touchdown catches in a season. The NFL loves those type players. They love a guy who can stretch the field vertically and go the way that they go. So he's absolutely playing himself into a draft pick. Uh, and I think he's playing himself way up the draft board. I think Jalen Hyatt and Darnell Wright are the two guys who have helped themselves the most to this point in the draft. I think Hendon Hooker is helping himself as well. Remember, part of this, too, is about need of teams in draft. Um, and it's about what the rest of the draft looks like in terms of how many receivers are coming out, how many quarterbacks are available. The, the timing of the quarterback thing is really important. That's why Kenny Pickett made the right decision to stay if he would have come out and not come back for that extra COVID year, he would not have been drafted where he was drafted as the first quarterback taken. So part of that is how do you fit into where the, the draft bodies look like and the numbers look like, but there's no doubt Jalen Hyatt is on everybody's uh, radar screen. Um, Anthony Webb says if Tennessee was better then we would be number one, if Tennessee's defense was better, we'd be number one. Um, I don't think Tennessee's defense is, is, is that bad. I mean, I think, one of the weapons of Tennessee's defense is their offense. And I think their offense is helping them a great deal with, without any doubt. So um, I, I think that's something that uh, is good for Tennessee and, and is helpful to Tennessee. Uh, they've got, you know, they're, they're limited in the secondary at corner. They're not what they're not what they need to be at corner. Um, they're good against the run. Linebackers aren't great in space. There's some limitations there, no doubt. They don't have all the tools that they would like to have for, for their defense. Uh, but I think they're playing really well against the run. I do think the secondary has gotten a little bit better as we go along, and we'll see how they handle themselves on Thursday. Um, or, excuse me, Thursday. I'm looking at Michael's quote there. On Saturday night uh, against the top-flight quarterback. I don't uh, – you know, Will Levis doesn't move around the way Bryce Young does. So, can Tennessee get to Will Levis and create some problems? I, I think that's the, the biggest question mark there. So, lots of good things going on with Tennessee right now. It's an exciting time. Um, this football team has captured everybody's attention um, as they should. They're all over the polls. Um, you know, it, it, it's just, it's really good. And, and it's a lot of fun. Everybody should enjoy the ride. Um, ben Hall wants to know, Hubs, is it fair to say that football now makes everyone seem limited on the back end? I think football right now is making it really hard on secondaries. I really do. I, I think it makes it really, really hard on secondaries to play um, defense because of what guys are doing and what teams are doing. And again, I want to talk to Aaron a little bit about some of this stuff because the way they spread it out and, and the way that they shrink the, the, the formation down without changing personnel is creating a lot of problems for defensive coordinators and defenses out there. So uh, I do think it's hard on secondaries right now with the way college football is played. Calvin Corm, why is McCoy's production dropped off? You know, there's no real tendencies to this team. I think one of the things with Alex Golish is if he finds something that's working, he's going to ride it, um, and, and he's not afraid to do that. You go back and look at that Pittsburgh game and the number of targets that Cedric Tillman had in that game, and they didn't throw it any to the left side, and everybody was like, oh, they're a right – I said this, they're a right-handed team. They just went where – if it wasn't broke, then, then why stop doing that? And, and – you know, Cedric Tillman was where they were most comfortable going, and they just kept going to that route because it was open. Um, Brew McCoy had over 100 yards receiving against LSU. Um, and so I, I think it's one of those deals where uh, it'll come back to him. I, and I think there'll be opportunities for them there. They're just not um, – they're just not – they just don't have a ton of tendencies. I mean, if they get the right matchup, everything's about the matchup. And if they get a matchup like they, they like, they're going to exploit it. And right now, the matchup they're winning with the most is Jalen Hyatt. 
Brew McCoy is going to get his catches. I think it'll come back around to him. It may come back around to him this week, depending on how somebody plays him. But if teams are going to play the way they played um, the last few weeks, they're not going to stop going from Jalen Hyatt and, and let him roll and, and make it happen for him. So um, I, I don't think it's a situation where Brew is hurt or he's banged up. He obviously had a huge catch in the Alabama game. He had 100 yards receiving against LSU. We're just at a point right now where you see this team and you figure everybody needs 100 yards <laughs> receiving. And Brew McCoy did not get a lot of opportunities thrown his way. It was middle of the field, uh, and, and it was the right side of the field in the passing game yesterday because that's some matchups that they like and that they, that they wanted uh, to exploit. Last question here before we get a break, then we'll get to Aaron Hayden hopefully here on the other side. Matthew Thomas wants to know, are you surprised with how well the D-line has played? Rodney has done an amazing job. Uh, Matthew, I am surprised. I said this in the offseason. I, I felt like it would take two bodies to replace the number of snaps that Matthew Butler played. And what Matthew Butler did for Tennessee last year was pretty heroic in terms of the volume of snaps that he played uh, and the production he had out of it. But this line is better because they're playing more bodies. Rodney Garner making a commitment to play 12 guys. Bryson Easton's running about 20 snaps a game, um, which is probably the, the probably about maxed out for him. But it's also helped limit the number of snaps that Omari Thomas has had to play when you look at his snap count the last few weeks. And as a result, you've got guys fresher in the second half than you had a year ago. So I think the ability to play more guys, you look at what they're doing, sliding Tyler Barron inside. I thought Tyree West was really good on Saturday against UT Martin. I thought it was great for him to get that many snaps. I think you're going to see more and more of him as we go down the back stretch of these five SEC games as a heavier part of that rotation. He's been playing, but I think he'll be deeper into that rotation um, as you get into the, the rest of the schedule in the SEC. So uh, Rodney Garner's doing what he's done for 30 years, and, and that is he develops guys. And uh, he's done a really good job developing this group of guys. He's getting good production out of them. Joshua Joseph continues to make some plays. They're getting pl good play out of Latrell Bumpus. And, and they're getting an, a, enough play out of enough guys to keep everybody fresh. He's done a really good job staying true to his commitment to play more people this year. All right, more questions. Keep rolling them in. I see the questions about Alex Golish. We'll get to those. Uh, we'll talk to Aaron Hayden, hopefully coming up in a few minutes as well, right here uh, on the Rocky Top Rewind. So stick with us. We got plenty more coming up, uh, plenty more discussion about the Vols, some discussion about the Kentucky Wildcats. We'll hit a little recruiting at the end of the show. That's all coming up here as you listen to the Rocky Top Rewind. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back into the Rocky Top Rewind on a Sunday night after another winning day in Knoxville as Tennessee remains unbeaten, beating UT Martin by a score of 65-24. to 24. I am Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us tonight. Thanks for joining us. Keep those comments coming in. I want to welcome to the program 
good friend and a VFL who everybody still talks about a screen pass at Notre Dame. It was a pretty good play. He made a lot of plays during his time at Tennessee. We're going to welcome Aaron Hayden into the program here tonight on the Rocky Top Rewind. My man, Aaron Hayden in Memphis. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. Uh, sorry, sorry that I can't follow directions very well. No, but, uh... you're good, man. It's all good. You don't need to apologize for anything. I, I want to ask you this. I mean, you're a you're a football guy. You you followed the game. You obviously played it successfully, but you followed it and you followed the evolution of the game. You watch Tennessee every week. You see what they're doing. Why why is Tennessee's offense so successful? Why are people having a hard time? catching figuring it out or catching up to it I, I think it's two things I tell people all the time and you know everybody can say they called the Alabama game but you can go check my tweets I said you got to score 45 points to beat Tennessee because Tennessee is going to score 45 points and the, the thing I think that makes the offense so hard to stop is Pipe always has his foot on the gas pedal and so when you watch Hugh Freeze beat Alabama I think what three or four times right he never wavered like he was always you know, spreading the field, um, attacking cover two with seam routes and posts. And, uh, you know, every other play, he took a shot. And I think Tennessee is doing that to people. And they're forcing you to play your best defense, defensive coverage, every time they snap the ball. And people just can't hold up and do that at the collegiate level. All right, Aaron. So, you know, listen, coaches spend the entire offseason diving in, right, doing deep dives on stuff and doing early scouts on the opponents. Everybody saw what Tennessee did a year ago. They knew they were bringing the quarterback back. They knew that Josh Hype was here. So you knew what the system, a lot of what the system was. So you're going to spend part of your summer offseason devising a plan to, to, to attack that offense differently. What does Hype – is it the spread that takes, it, takes away the things that you want to do defensively to attack them? Or, or what is it that nobody has necessarily found an, a, a key to – in year two when you knew what was coming? I think I think it's a, it's a, a little blend of both from what I see. Um, sometimes they go wide. They're incredibly accurate and, and always in rhythm and on time. Then if you're going to uh, spread the box out, they'll run it just enough to keep you honest. And then if they um, if you start, you know, trying to cover the wide receivers, especially like when they stack and they throw the little bubbles outside, which are essentially another handoff or a five-yard game, if you start playing that and you uh, you unload the box, they run. If you load the box up, then they take their shots. And the thing I love that they do is when they spread you out, they force your safeties to play coverage. And most guys in the SEC are still built for the old offenses where that guy that's playing safety is another, you know, fast linebacker that comes down in the box and hit. And, like, I mean, we did a hell of a job isolating number two from Alabama I think they saw something, uh, Texas A&M, at least I thought I did, um, against Texas A&M. And they just kept, every time they got a chance to get him one-on-one, -on -one, they took full advantage of it. And so um, I just think if you're not able to get pass rush, and I think that's the difference in this offense from last year, I think they're getting to the, they're not getting to the passer like they did last year. And even when they do, you're forced to run for, rush for, and when you do, then five beats you with his legs. So, I mean, it's just a – it's a wildebeest right now of offense. And you got to think uh, the, the Tillman kid is not even playing yet. Life's different when you have a quarterback who can play in it, Aaron. It is. It is. And when you think about the nineties, I mean, we had some very good quarterbacks uh, when we were, when we were dominating and, 
And now we're having that elite quarterback play again. And to be honest, you know, I won't say any names, but that's really been the problem the last, you know, probably 10 years is we hadn't had that guy that's a national guy that, that everybody's talking about around the country and up for the Heisman. When we have had those type of guys, I mean, I think that kind of makes it go. And then the other thing that I've noticed that I think Hypo and them have done a, one hell of a job doing is in that transfer portal um, with just the guys that, that they brought in, D-line, O-line, you know, receivers, all those guys are contributing you know, like major minutes and are like real dudes. Um, and that doesn't happen everywhere. I mean, I can think of about five of them that are really, really probably making themselves some money, but really making Tennessee a better team and, and giving Tennessee more depth. Aaron, did you ever think we would see this league be this offensive oriented? I know this is not I know this is not the first go of it. It's been this way for several years. You mentioned Hugh Freeze, but but did you ever imagine that this is where college football would get to and this is what the SEC would get to? It, it you don't go out and necessarily hire the defensive coach. I know Kirby Smart is and he's done good things, but but everybody's looking for the next Josh Heupel, Hugh Freeze, the next offensive guru in this league, which for us old heads, it seems kind of mind-boggling, or at least it does to me. Yeah, I was talking to one of one of my former uh, running backs, uh, me and Jay Graham, and we were just talking about where would we play in the SEC these days? Because there's no, you know, six six one, two hundred twenty-five pound running backs that you want to give it to, you know, twenty-five times now. Now it's kind of the uh, Jabari Small, you know, guy that can run, catch, and do a little bit of everything. So Charlie Garner's probably the only one in, in my day that could play in. He would be uh he'd be better than the Gibbs kid at uh, Alabama, and that kid is phenomenal. But he's probably the only one from my day, you know, that could play. And to really just answer your question, I think it's just evolved, and I, I think teams like Texas A&M are trying to do a little bit of both, and they're kind of getting left behind. But you look at that SEC West, you got Mississippi State, they're they're doing something different. You got us, we're doing something different. Of course, uh, Lane Kiffin is doing something different. What he's doing, and the guys that are trying to kind of stay with the traditional offenses. Even Alabama's slinging it around as good as uh, Gibbs is. They're still slinging it around with a great quarterback that challenges you vertically. But um, I think Auburn and Texas A&M are kind of stuck in, the, stuck in their way. And I'll be honest with you, South Carolina's actually doing it the old school way a little bit, grounding, grounding pound. Kentucky does it a little bit. But the teams that are really, really competing, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, you know, Florida, those teams have just kind of – and Florida's always kind of, I guess, been like that. But – they're really, really putting a premium on passing and then having a quarterback that can beat you with their feet. Yeah, it's it's a receiver quarterback game now. It's just it's it's kind of crazy how it is, particularly when you think about what your running back room look like. We yeah. you and I have talked about this not on shows. We've talked this a, a million times. How in the world did you guys not kill each other fighting for fighting for the football? When you talk about little man Stewart, you you guys have those that great freshman year together. And then, oh, by the way, we're, we're going to bring in this Charlie Garner cat from JUCO. Then here comes Jay Graham, and then here's Mose Phillips. How did you guys keep – how did you guys stay cohesive? I know there was no portal. If there was a portal back then, yeah. I don't know what would have happened. But yeah. how did you guys keep keep harmony, if you will, in that room? I'll I tell you what. I think Coach Cutcliffe, number one, did an excellent job of keeping us all involved, keeping us all engaged. We all practiced like we were the starter. And then a lot of times we rotated like the first um, few series and then whoever got hot, they kind of, you know, they kind of stayed with you. So they kind of kept us involved. And then I would say Coach Former was such a uh, politician. And I mean that in like a, a real uh, positive way. But he was such a politician that he 
say a little something in your ear, you know, you're the man for this, you know, you know, when Bama come, you're going to get the ball and, you know, just, just stuff like that. And then I think we had an acceptance and I, you know, I always say this and I'm very appreciative of Charlie Garda coming in there because he just took all of our games to another level because he was just that phenomenal. And so he made, I think he made, you know, little man, the best little man he could be. I know he made Aaron the best Aaron he could be because it was either fight or flight. The guy was that good. And so if you wanted to be part of that and uh, get, get your chances, you know, you had to be special. And so every time you touched it, there was a desperation to be successful. And, you know, I know we've talked about that before, but I, I think this transfer portal is, is such a, a easy way out now that I don't know that you get that anymore. If you got, you know, four NFL guys sharing the same uh, room, then they pull the, um, the kid, the Walker kid from Wake Forest and he goes to Michigan state and, becomes a Heisman Trophy winner. And you can't, I mean, well, Heisman Trophy candidate. And you can't argue with that, but I think there's something to be said for for to sit here and talk to you about it now, having went through it and the, the pain that that goes with being the guy then not being the guy and uh, and then becoming the guy again. And uh, that's something that I'm very proud of. I mean, mentally it had to be extremely taxing, Aaron. I mean, at, at, your, at, at that age, right? I mean, you have the early success – and then all of a sudden they bring in a guy and, and, and you first time you see him, you realize Charlie, I mean, you didn't you didn't need pads to understand that Charlie yeah. was 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 gonna was play, different. right? I he mean was he, different. he was legit. Yeah. I mean, mentally, it, it had to it had to make you tougher, right? I mean, as you mentioned, sink or swim, right? Yeah. And I, I think that's the the approach we took. And and it was really more everybody in that room was kind of like in your face. Like we were so cool and tight, but on the field, we were like in your face type guys with a lot of alpha, a lot of alpha males in, in, in that room. And so even though you see somebody and you go, yeah, this guy's going to play, then you kind of look at the rest of the guys and say, I don't know which one of y'all going to be the backup or, or be the guy that split carries, but I know I'm going to be one of them. You know what I mean? And so <laughs> it was just a matter of I think we showed so much talent and took our games to that next level that um, it really made us a phenomenal team. Phenomenal team. And then I think our senior year, what me and Little Man was able to do with our own games, I, I, I think is uh, legendary, to be honest, um, because we had to carry that team that year. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you guys were the show. I mean, and obviously that was the one-two punch because Charlie had moved on. But were, were there times where you – I mean, obviously nobody was going to tap out, right? I mean, you, you weren't going to tap your helmet and say, Coach, I, I need a blow after a few carries here. No. Were there times where you saw a sub come and you're like, you got to be kidding me, right? Like, yeah, like gonna, yeah, like, we, like, we I, I'm in a, I'm, I'm grooving here. I'm good. Leave me alone. <laughs> so, so, uh, real quick story that I don't know if I shared with you before, but, um, I think I run the ball down at, to like the two against Alabama. You know, I waited my turn. I don't know if I was second or third that game, but I waited my turn and then I had about 40 yards in that drive. I get down to the two and they bring little man in to try to jump him over the top. And I'm like, nope, nope. I'm just standing there, standing there. He's waving me off. He comes in and stands right next to me like, dude, he told me to get you. I'm like, I don't care what he told you. I'm not going out. Then they send Charlie out there to get both of us out because we're out there arguing. So all three of us in the huddle arguing. And uh, that Coach Cutcliffe had to call a timeout. And Coach Former met us on the sideline. It wasn't, it wasn't a very nice conversation. But none of us was going out. So then they put Moles in and gave him the ball. And I think he scored. <laughs> so we had, our, we had our moments, man. And, like, if you talk to people – on our team, like um, in practice, there were a lot of those instances where, um, you know, if somebody hadn't played a lot, 
and then you were trying to somebody that played a lot was trying to not practice you know it, it didn't go very well and, and jay ended up getting a lot of reps so we had our moments but uh we never took it personal it really was more to mess with the coaches probably than it was to mess with one another yeah i don't think people truly understand how much you guys still stay in contact and, and talk with each other i mean it's a brotherhood yeah. even yeah. though it was competitive as hell it's a brotherhood that has stood two decades and continues to stay in two decades. I got a couple other things. If I don't ask this, I'm going to get, I'm going to get crucified by people. Everybody always asks about the screen pass at Notre Dame, obviously. Yeah. Um, you've told that story. I know a million times to a lot of people. I'm going to ask it this way. When that was called, did you know it was going to do what it did? I mean, did, did you know it was the right call for what they were doing? So, so I know, you know, I let people into some of our little, little stories or some of our little conversations, but Number one, I wasn't supposed to be in the game. Little man was a screen guy. And so they called it so quick that they couldn't get me out because we, we were on, like, the other hash. And so I never looked over there. They couldn't get me out. And then uh, Coach Coe just gave me the, the stay, and he gave me, like, a catch the ball. And I'm like, oh, hell, this, this is a screen. I've been dropping them all week in uh, really? practice. Yeah. So if you <laughs> notice, um, the, the, the best part about the screen is I back out because I want to catch the ball where you're supposed to kind of go and look over your shoulder and kind of come back. If you, if you look at the screen, I back out because I don't want to drop the ball because to be honest with you, once I saw the linebacker blitz, you practice that stuff so many times that, you know, that's really the only guy that can recognize it. So I saw the DM fall in the linebacker blitz and I went, this is going to go pretty long. Now the funny thing is I'm only looking at Carl Pickens and the DB in the end zone. And by the time I realized that Carl Pickens has him blocked. I'm in the end zone. If you kind of watch the tape, you can kind of tell. I kind of like start laughing and pointing that pick at the end because I really didn't know I was in. I was in the end zone because it was just so clean. So for me to look at the film versus what I saw in the game, it's it's totally opposite of what I thought I saw because there was nothing there but picking that DB. So I don't really know at the time what's happening in front of me except Carl Pickens and and the DB in the end zone. And by the time I get in there. By the time I get in there, I'm like, am I going to make a move? What am I going to do? He don't even see me. And next thing I know, I see Pick running to me to hug me and jumping on. I'm like, damn, I'm in the end zone. So it's just <laughs> funny how that type of stuff happened. And it looks a lot different on TV than what's happening. So it's just so many things that I did wrong on that play probably, but it was just such a perfect call that uh, that it turned out being a great play. And uh, now it's like, call. now it's like what, 80 some yards long by the time. You know, every year it, it, I get 10 more yards when it's, somebody it gets tells a me longer, story. right? Yeah, and I don't correct anybody. <laughs> I got to go back and look that, that that you caught that thing like a breadbasket. Yeah. Uh, in, in the breadbasket catch. I can go back and look at that. I, I, I not remember that. I remembered you backing out on that one. Uh, yeah, that, I back that, out on that. That's, that's a good one. All right, last thing about this team, and, and I'm going to let you go. How impressed are you with how this team has handled – being in this situation where it was unexpected, right? I mean, how impressed are you with the maturity this team has handled themselves with through beating Florida, winning at LSU, Alabama, and then they obviously were ready to play against an inferior opponent yesterday. How, how impressed are you with the maturity of this team? I, I tell you what I'm most impressed with, because, you know, I was kind of heavily, you know, involved with, with the Pruitt era, and I don't have much – I would never say anything negative about uh, JP, but – one thing that I, I knew from just the kids that I'm close to up there is the environment was uh was just say, you know, it was a it was a tougher environment. And so the one thing that I'm impressed with is the way that um Hypo has those kids playing for one another. 
playing with like a chip on their shoulder. And they just seem like they're ready for the moment. I've seen so many times I've been on teams that I felt like, you know, in the moment back down to, to Alabama. But that team, I mean, after the fumble on the uh, on the read option or the zone read, and we just gave them a touchdown, you know, just to see uh, Hooker get right back in the huddle and go lead the team down and score. I mean, to me, that's 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 the thing that champions are made of. And so for them to go for where they were last year to literally throwing punch for punch with the best teams in the country, I mean, you can't do anything but say Hypo has that team ready. They're bought into it. They're defending the orange. Like, to me, that – it's been a while since we defended being Tennessee. It's just like we wanted to get lucky and hope some breaks went our way, you know, over these last probably decade. But this this team is actually fighting and defending Tennessee. It reminds me so much of that that 98 team in a different way, but they just seem like they're fighting and, and defending uh, the Big Orange. And it is, it, I'm proud to be alum. I'm, I'm proud to see the way that these kids play. I'm proud of all these kids from Memphis that are representing. It's amazing how Tennessee is always good when, when – uh, kids from Tennessee are contributing. So um, I'm, I'm just proud of all those kids. I know a lot of them personally and uh, very proud of what Hypo's done. And he's he's doing it and doing it with Tennessee kids. And they just are bought in and they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. And and they're so mature. That's just very mature team. And it, it's just fun to watch, man. Yeah, it is. They haven't flinched at anything to this point. We'll see how they handle Saturday night when Kentucky comes to town. My man, it's great to catch up with you. Thanks for sharing some insight on how this offense is working. Thanks for a couple of trips down memory lane with me tonight. I appreciate it, my man. Anytime, man. You know, you're, I consider you a good friend. You am until tell, tell uh, Price next time he needs to show up as well. I know he's probably <laughs> doing TV. He always wants to get on TV and, and be seen, but he's, I know he's doing something where he's being seen right now. So t- oh, tell him next time to make sure he make it. All right, I'll make sure he gets with us next time. Hey, great to catch up with you. We'll talk soon down the road, all right, my man? All right, Hubs. All right, thanks, buddy. That is Aaron Hayden, former Tennessee running back, sharing stories of the past and talking a lot about what this Tennessee football team is doing right now and what impresses him as a former player at the University of Tennessee. On the other side, Austin Price will join us. He's going to join us next along with Eastern Kentucky head coach Walt Wells. Talk a little bit about the Wildcats. We'll talk a little recruiting at the end as well. That's all coming up next as you listen to the Rocky Top Rewind. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into the Rocky Top Rewind on a Sunday night as Tennessee beats UT Martin 65-24, to gets ready for the Kentucky Wildcats. Austin Price joins me on the Rewind here in the final segment. He was waiting in the wings. I could have brought you on with Aaron, but I didn't I didn't want you guys to have a celebrity death match here on the program. I'm sure you all will catch up with that later. And I'm so happy to welcome to the program Eastern Kentucky head football coach Walt Wells. Walt knows a lot about the Wildcats. We'll talk about the Wildcats in just a moment. But if you aren't familiar with Walt Wells' story, it's been an adventuresome. Can I say adventuresome, Walt? How do I describe <laughs> what fall's been like for you right now? It's It's been crazy, that's for sure. It's been a 
uh, a different fall. It's been uh, a hard fall, but uh, we're, we're getting through the weeds now. We're starting to come up for air. All right. For those who don't know and haven't read the story, Walt Wells suffered a major heart attack in the office. It's a, it's a, a story that was written at Sports Illustrated. Um, fortunate to be with us, Walt still is. I know the medical care, the people that, that found you, Walt, uh, was the timing on that worked out um, to, to where you're still with us here. I just I, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about that. I know you're tired of talking about that. <laughs> but I do want to ask you, how, it is, how has it changed your perspective in coaching, going, what you, what, going through what you went through this year? Well, I think it changes your perspective in life. I mean, you know, uh, it was less than uh, a little over eight weeks ago that, you know, about five feet away from me right there, I was on the ground dead for about four minutes. Uh, and it lets you know the people that are around you, you know, you got to cherish them. They're, they're, you know, our Kristen Peterson, who was our head athletic trainer, and Thomas Bowling, who's my DFO, uh, you know, the, they both saved my life. And, and Zach, who was an assistant trainer, also was right there with them. Uh, you know, they, they got my heartbeat back. They got me going again until, the, you know, they did the defibrillator the whole nine yards um, and, and got me back. And, you know, for two and a half days, I was in a – I didn't know what was going on. I was just asleep, I guess. And uh, I wake up and realize what's, what's happened. And, you know, you look at your wife of almost, 20, you know, 25 years now and, and your daughter who's 22 and your son who's 17, and you realize I got a lot of things to live for other than, you know, fourth and one. And not that that's not important on Saturday night, but, you know, it's not important on Tuesday afternoon in July. And I think I'll learn that as we continue to move forward, not not to do your job, but, you know, to take time to to do things with other people, too. Well, the Colonel's got a big win, 58-55 over the weekend. That's probably not good for the old heart there, Walt. Uh, <laughs> defensive coordinator's got to do you better than that. I mean, geez. well. Uh, Look, 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 good thing you got a Tennessee boy pulling the trigger up there for you, though. Hey, no question. He's Tennessee boy too, and he, he's he's one of the most special ones I've been around, you know. And uh, he he's a really good football player for us, uh, Parker McKinney from Cofield. Uh, but yeah, the first game back we went seven overtimes and won. So uh, it, it's it's been uh, I've been tested. That was mm, ten days probably after after I got out of the hospital. So I've been tested pretty hard. Um, last week I got after the officials pretty good. My wife, uh, you know, my wife got after me pretty good that night and then let me know that, Hey, just relax on the officials. Let somebody else. I'm like, Hey, honey, no, we'll be all right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was fun. And Parker is, uh, uh, it's a blessing. I mean, he was here when I got here. Uh, Parker is, uh, obviously was a uh, state champion at Cofield and Mr. Football in single A. Uh, and he's just a really good football player. And he, he so he so won the game for us. Walt was a part of the staff with Butch Jones, 2016, 2017, the offensive line coach that last year. Um, then was at Kentucky under Mark Stoops for a couple of, for a couple of years. So you're familiar with both programs as far as historical stuff. Uh, I know you're doing your own thing, coaching your own team, but right. you know these are kind of two contrasting styles. Walt, you got you know the tempo and and going fast in Tennessee, and then you got Kentucky who wants to slow it down and run it. I would say it's the end of both spectrums and. Uh, you know, I, I don't – I mean, I've obviously watched Tennessee and know what uh, Josh Heupel does over there, and, and he's doing a fantastic job. And, and they're trying to snap that thing as quick as they can get it snapped, I'm sure, you know, especially uh, as, as the uh, drives go on. But uh, Mark's, uh, Mark's style's a little different. 
Um, you know, he's he's a he's a really good defensive coach, uh, or that's how he made his hay until he became a really good all, uh, head coach. But uh, you know, I, I, they're gonna they're gonna spend their time in the huddle. They're gonna get the long play call out. It's a West Coast offense. It's gonna have great verbiage and wristbands and all that stuff you've got to go through to, and to communicate to to the huddle and get the huddle call out. And I would say they'll snap the ball any, most most times under ten. You know, and that's just how they are. I mean, it's, that's no secret. If you watch them play on TV, that's who they are. Uh, and I think that's how they're built. Well, why has why Mark Stoops been able to do at Kentucky, sustain, sustain success at Kentucky, that nobody else had, had been able to kind of uncover? They, they had a couple of moments and some runs with some coaches. Why has he been able to do what nobody has been able to do at Kentucky for a long time? Well, I think the first thing he did is he did, he established a recruiting area that he could go win, and uh, that was the the state of Kentucky, which he's won, and and then the state of Ohio, which he's gone and got some really good football players. And you know, Michigan was down in some time, some of that time, and so he was able to steal some guys that let's just say Ohio State didn't want, uh, but were still really good football players. And uh, you know, maybe would have went to Michigan State, maybe would have went to Penn State. Uh, but they wanted to come play in the SEC, and Kentucky was their offer, and and they went to Kentucky. I think he he does a great job uh, of getting out and identifying talent. Um, you know, he's a really good football coach, and he's detail oriented, and he you know, but he's not going to make you a robot. He's not going to make his team a robot, and uh, so I think you know. Then Mitch Barnhart gave him some time early on, and I think that was critical, and. You saw the, the fruits of his labor starting really in 2016 when I think it was when they, they made their first bowl game. 2017, they started making some headway. And then I got there in 2018, and uh, we won 10 games and went to the uh, Citrus Bowl. And then the next year, we won nine games and went to the Belt Bowl. COVID wasn't friendly to him, but then, boom, you're right back in the, in the Citrus Bowl the next year. And so 10 wins. I mean, it, you know, it, it's – I've been in the state of Kentucky coaching – since 1997, except for a year at South Florida, a year at New Mexico State, and two years at Tennessee. And what he's done in at the University of Kentucky, I don't know if it could ever be rematched by somebody else because it's just it's just hard to sustain that uh, over 10 years like he has. Uh, he's he's good to work for, but he's turned over staff just because guys have gotten other opportunities and went and did them. Um, and so I think, you know, and then he's hired really good people. And I think the biggest thing with Mark is he's such a good guy. And I know, I <laughs> know that probably ain't popular with your fans, but he's a great person. And you talk about, you know, just think about this, right? I worked for him in 18 and 19. I watched him handle the John Slarman situation. If that doesn't tell you what type of person he is, nothing else really will. But then when I get into my situation, He's calling the UK off the medical center and, and all that, making sure I got anything I need, anything and everything I need. He didn't have to do that. I mean, they're getting ready to play whoever their first game was. Uh, he's just a good person. Well, when you look at Kentucky, obviously they're going to try to run it with Rodriguez um, and, and ball control. Last year, I was at, well, I forget the number of hubs. Was it what, 40? Was it? 45 to 15 or whatever it was, you know, in time of possession. It was just some yeah. silly number. I mean, oh, it was crazy. Just, I remember, yes. It was just ridiculous. Whatever it was, it's ridiculous. Um, you know, can they do that again this year? Because it feels like Tennessee's 
much better against the run, Walt, than they were a year ago, which it basically is the strength on strength instead of strength on weakness. Well, I, I, I don't know if that'll be their game plan or not. I, you know, I'd be quite frankly, I hadn't talked to, to them on, that much since we started seasons, but, uh, I, you know, Rich, uh, Chris Rodriguez is a really good football player, and he's really hard to tackle with one man. And and at what I've seen of Tennessee, I know their their defense is playing as one, and their defense is playing with a lot of energy, a lot of juice, which, which is what you've got to have on defense. I mean, you've got to have some some want to and and things like that to go get it. And I think that's where Tennessee has improved. Now, that doesn't mean they're not better players and all that. I'm not saying any of that, but you know, to sit there and say that Kentucky can't do that, I, I'm, you know, the way they've ran the ball in the past, it's hard not to say that they can't. You have to worry about Will Levis. Will Levis, every we we're fortunate enough to have a couple of kids that are either get drafted or, or or be in camps, and every scout that comes through here tells me he's a top ten pick. So you, I mean, you can't ignore that, and just like they can't ignore Hendon Hooker, right? He, he may win the Heisman Trophy and may be the best player in college football. So I, I think, you know, you can't just load the box up and say, all right, Will, Will can't beat us. I don't think that's the case. Uh, they, they, they are young at receiver, uh, but they do have some talent there. And, you know, Barry and Brown from, uh, from uh, Pearl Cone has got some elite speed. And, uh, and you can see that, you know, from the plays that he's made against some really, you know, good athletes out there. So, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that they can't, but I understand what you're saying. And I think it will be a struggle to line up and, and keep the ball for 45 minutes. But, you know, you never know if, if turnovers happen and different things like that. They, they might have the possibility of doing that. Certainly, it's a contrasting style. It's going to be an interesting matchup, but between those two teams, for sure. Well, I, well, I want to ask you a foot a non Kentucky question here. Right. U, UT Martin was in town. That's a game that that Tennessee plays. That uh, Martin's playing for the paycheck. Okay. I mean, you schedule that game for the paycheck. You're you're in a conference where your budget depend. I mean, if you don't make your budget, if you don't make money for the university, then other sports can't exist. Right. When you look at the future of college football and the talk of ten conference games and all these types of things out there, out there, where are your biggest concerns moving forward for your level of football where you're at at Eastern Kentucky? Well, I think the bottom line is everything we're hearing is the NCAA is going to come out with a minimum amount of money you have to spend on athletics. You know, and I think it's going to be around twenty five, thirty million for the university. You know, we don't spend that right now. Now, we aren't far from that, and I think we, you know, we have plans to get to that. Uh, 25 would be a heck of a lot easier than 30 for us, but it's still, you know, it's still doable. And I think that's going to separate, you know, where we are to to where, like, the Middle Tennessees, the Western Kentuckys, the Charlottes, and all of them are. And and so, and then what will end up doing is pushing our level down a little bit because then they'll de-emphasize the money that is used in football and uh, you know, and that's, that's going to hurt the game. It's going to hurt the development of the game. And, you know, the transfer portal is, is already hurting it a little bit because as soon as we get a guy that's, that's really talented, somebody's recruiting. And so we have to continue to understand that. And we've got to figure out ways to try to keep them Wait, You know, we don't have the alumni base 
financially that, you know, Tennessee has to where they can go and, and grab corporations to, to NIL them and different things like that. So the game is going to, it's going to change here in the next, I would say two to five years dramatically. I don't think it affects um, obviously the SEC at all. I think they will be the ones that break away. They'll be there 45 or 50 of them that are, that are playing with that high dollar mark. And then the rest of them will be, be, will be playing for bowl games. And then everybody else will go down to division two probably and play that away in football. Well, Walt, we appreciate you joining us. We're so glad that, uh, you could be on this show tonight <laughs> and, no uh, and, and, and you tell our boy K Ron, we said, hello. You still got some guys that you recruited on this current team, including guys like Jerome Carvin uh, from back in, you know, when you were here in 2017. So I know you've got a little bit of tie on uh, different places. Well, I, I tell you what, it, it was, uh, you know, when, when I, Tennessee beat Alabama, it was funny. Um, my son and Trey Smith had such a special relationship. And so we're all three in a, in a, in a uh, text group and, you know, Trey smoking his cigar. Of course, up until about two months ago, I'd have, I'd have smoked a cigar with him, you know, <laughs> but the old wife's not letting me have a cigar or a beer, but uh, you know, I, uh, I, I keep all that down. I thought, yeah, said, that, I thought you told her you were good for another 45 or 50 years. Now. <laughs> she ain't buying that right now. <laughs> she so, bought it uh, at that Arby's on the way home from the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't supposed to tell that. Give me them French fries. Uh, Give me them curly fries. <laughs> hey, curly fries at Arby's roast beef sandwich. I couldn't beat it, but uh yeah, there's so many guys. To, I mean, uh, Ollie Lane's dad sent me a really nice text. So, I mean, there's a lot of guys on that team that, yes, I was involved in. And very happy for them. Very happy for the state of Tennessee. You know me. Born and raised in Nashville. I love Tennessee. So, I really appreciate it. Well, Walt, we appreciate it. Good luck. And uh, tell KJ, catch us a touchdown on Friday night, all right? He'll need to. I appreciate that. Thanks again for having me, guys. It's good to see y'all. Good That's... to see you, Walt. Thanks, buddy. Yes, Take sir. care of yourself, my man. I'll do it. Thank you. All right. All right, that's Walt Wells, the head coach at Eastern Kentucky, giving a little insight on the Wildcats. He knows Mark Stoops. He knows what they're all about. Austin, I know we're up against it, about, about to wrap it up. This is a real conflicting style game here. Who who can who can whose personality wins will dictate what this game looks like. If Tennessee's personality rises to the top, Kentucky's going to have a hard time. If Kentucky's personality wins, Tennessee's going to be in a dogfight that a lot of fans aren't expecting right now. Yeah. I think for Kentucky to win this game, Tennessee they've got to turn Tennessee over. So that's something Tennessee's not really done this year. Even the few times they've coughed it up, they've been able to get back on the ball. Hendon Hooker, obviously, with only the one pick. And, and I think Berrion Brown has to be a game-changer in special teams. Tennessee's got to avoid letting him get loose in kick returns and punt returns. All right, quickly, in recruiting, anything? They pick up Caleb Beasley on, on Friday night. It, it feels like the, 20, the class of 24 is where this season – is making the most hay for Tennessee in recruiting. That's not to say they're not 23s. It's not having an effect. But it feels like the 24s is where Tennessee's using this start to really make some hay. Is that fair or unfair? Yeah, they've got four commits in the 24 class, Brent, and they're all really, really good players. You know, whether it's Carson Gentle, Caleb Beasley, Eccles, Mazio Bennett, um, four really, really good pieces. They're also in position with other in-state guys, out-of-state players. So, yeah, 24 is where they're really – kind of making their biggest move. But you would probably think that, right? Because most of the 23 class kind of haze in the barn. But there are some, you know, Dave and Hobbs. They're, you know, we'll see if Tennessee is able to get Stanton or Mill to take a visit. They've had some conversations the last couple of weeks. Um, there are some players in that 23 class Tennessee's still after, but 
you know, Tennessee obviously just offered Khalifa Keith, the uh, the running back from down near Birmingham that's committed to Kentucky. Yeah, it's trying to make some noise uh, with, with some 23s and obviously with 24. We'll see what the unofficial visitor lo- list looks like this week. We'll see where they go official visits or not a, not a lot of official visits um, this weekend. We'll see how that plays out a- as well. So um, keep, it, keep it at VolQuest. We'll have all the updates for you as things start to take shape later on in the week. And don't forget, we'll have Josh Heupel at the podium tomorrow. We got 3-2-1. We got other recruiting coverage. Don't forget to hit the like button on this. Get this video to 500 likes. Continue to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Tell everybody about this show. We got Tennessee Prime coming up on Tuesday night. We got all of our other video stuff. And we've got that great $1 deal going for you at VolQuest.com. Hey, we can do this show without Eric Kane, right? AP? We can do a lot without Eric Kane. <laughs> Eric will be will be back with us next uh, Sunday night, and uh, we'll continue to talk Tennessee football on a Sunday night on one of our favorite evenings uh, to do with the Rocky Top Rewind. Special thanks to Aaron Hayden for his insight and uh, storytelling tonight, and thanks to Walt Wells for his insight on the Kentucky Wildcats. Good luck to Eastern Kentucky coming up this weekend. He is Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. That's going to do it for this installment of the Rewind. Have a great rest of your Sunday and a great week, everybody. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.